transformation in your heart and soul. All of your transformation, baby, now that you know. Getting used to righteousness when it makes you feel whole. Gonna be a transformation, baby, down in your soul. Remember when we were downhearted, didn't have nowhere to go. In the wisdom of insecurity, just knowing that we know that something starts happening, feel like you're on a road. Gonna be a transformation, baby. Down in your soul everybody this is Tabitha welcome to white wellness radio today June 13th 2022 broadcasting out of New York for white wellness radio that song right there was Van Morrison with transformation back in 2017 and that is part of the title of today's broadcast the totality of transformation I've used a groovy image that I found in the last week or so of a picture that's very transformative I would say it's a picture of it what appears to be a young gal and there's an outline of her that looks like it's rainbow color this is nothing to do with you know any of the LGBTP stuff obviously and then one of her 
um, kind of in more of like a somber tone of uh, neutrals. So kind of like, you know, transforming into something new. And I guess we're always transforming, right? Especially after the last couple of years with the the things we, we couldn't not see, right? I mean, it was really hard not to see the things the last couple of years. It was uh, overwhelming. You'd have to be, I don't know, living under a rock not to see those things. So to start out for today's broadcast, I guess it would be the word of the week at this point because we just did a show last week, but some individuals were saying in the white wellness chat, the discourse, that I should be calling it um, word of the fortnight or every four, you know, because every two weeks they, they use that expression. Not too much, I think, nowadays, but nevertheless, it's still something that they utilize over uh, across the pond in the UK using the phrase fortnight, which means 14 days, of course, two weeks. So today it will be the word of the week, but I guess in the future it will be the word of the fortnight or something like that, however you say it. So let's pick one of these cards. We're getting lean on these cards, by the way. I think I've gone through hmm, at least 60% of this deck. I'll have to find something new in regards to words in the future. Here we are, Lava Rock, L-A-V-E-R-O-C-K. Shortened Anglo-Saxon name for that often unwelcome herald of the dawn, the lark. During the Middle Ages, groups of adolescent boys and girls would go into fields to catch larks, which were considered a culinary delicacy. By the 1700s, influenced by Middle English lake, L-A-I-K, play, lark came to mean frolicsome adventure involving whimsical gallops on horseback, mischievous merriment, and sexual flights of fancy. So basically, it's about, I guess, playing and having a good time, not like a, you know, a a perverted time, like nowadays everything seems to be geared towards that style, uh, regardless of what it is. But this is kind of a, a wholesome word, lava rock, um, being shortened, I think, to lark is, uh, you know, kind of where, where it became. It started during the Middle Ages, and then it basically was dwindled down to 17, in the 1700s, to just the word lark. But nevertheless, the word is lava rock the word of the week. Something we don't hear that often these days, but a lot of the play or, I guess, behavior that goes on these days is far from wholesome. Even with the youngsters, it's not even about their behavior being somewhat degenerate, but I think it's just about it not being of, I don't know, good good quality. A lot of youngsters don't play outdoors anymore, and it's just a sign of the times. If we were young, perhaps we'd be part of this, you know, indoor Oyedei culture as well, right? So let's see, I've got a hodgepodge of information for today's broadcast. Um, not too much stuff, uh, just kind of interesting hodgepodge, like I said, not like a concrete topic, but sometimes these little kind of potpourri shows are, are nice to do every now and again. So there seems to be what I, what I am uh, summing up as the latest uh, psychological operation, this event that occurred at a, quote, quote, should always be for pride when they're utilizing that word for the current utilization of it. A, quote, pride parade, I believe, this weekend that happened in um, Idaho. And supposedly a bunch of, quote, white nationalists. I don't even really think that that's a real phrase. That's just a media term. Like, I'm, I'm so beyond taking any of this with any seriousness because I see it all as, like, kosher uh, theater, extreme kosher theater at this point. 
but supposedly they were going to go there and do some rioting. They were all found in a U-Haul of 31 individuals. I think they were all male. This to me doesn't sound like it was legit in any way. And even if there were some legit people there, like let's say with Charlottesville, the fish stinks from the head is an old Italian or Sicilian expression. Um, this is an example of, of such. There's always going to be some people who get caught up in the mix of something, not really understanding the in and outs and the idiosyncrasies of how the Zog system, shitstem works. But this appears that this Patriot Front group has been infiltrated. Were they always um, unsavory? Who's to know? I just know that when a group gets big enough, when the media is covering it in every outlet, when a group is uh, mentioned via the ADL or the SPLC, typically they advertise groups they have infiltrated as being, quote, neo-Nazi or, quote, white nationalist, quote, white supremacist. And I was noticing as I was reading some of these headlines, you know, very lightly looking into it because I don't even give a shit. And then also, I don't need data. I don't need facts like all these, you know, these memes you see of all these tards of these, you know, atheist type of like, pro-vaccination rhetoric tards, show me the study. I don't need masculine confirmation, data analysis, tabulation to tell me what I intuitively know, right? In a way, all of this technocratic xyosludge stuff that they're foisting on us is masculine confirmation. And remember, all these Abrahamic, essentially Talmudic and Judaic religions are all about masculine confirmation and they, they hate the feminine. We know that already, right? Don't they pray in the morning for not being a goy, um, a female or an animal or something like that? So yeah, I don't, I don't need concrete confirmation. I don't need concrete confirmation for anything. Just like with Oyed AI, I didn't need concrete confirmation. I didn't need to watch hours of video about how virology is pseudoscientific. I knew, I intuitively knew, and I have common sense, which isn't so common anymore, and I was able to discern that Oyedei was a hollow hoax, right? Did I look into it a bit? Certainly, more than a bit, but I didn't need all that tabulation and data and analysis and masculine confirmation to comprehend what I intuitively knew. They want to deride and erode all of our intuition, whether we be male or female. That's not even what it's about. This isn't about anything like that. It's just about this mode or modality of thinking, which is the dominant thought paradigm, right? So what I was going to say before I said that is I was looking at some of these articles this morning for this, you know, this newest event, and I see them writing the word white supremacist, of course, lowercase w, lowercase s, and then, of course, capitalizing pride, you know, all the letters capitalized and there's nothing prideful about any of that stuff, obviously. I mean, maybe an Extian would argue that was one of the seven deadly sins. They should actually call it lust or gluttony over pride if they're going to fucking call it anything, right? Um, but certainly there is no pride in doing those things. Uh, there never was. There never will be. It's an inversion and it's a hollow hoax. And also... It seems a bit like low-hanging fruit to go to one of these parades. Do I think these parades are an atrocity and, abo and, an, abo and an abomination? Certainly. Absolutely. There's nothing good that can really come of this. It's certainly not a family-friendly uh, environment, which some people have argued that it is. It's, it's, it's Nothing could be further from the truth. It's not good or healthy for anybody. I think an actually better scenario, as opposed to going here you know, in riot gear, would have been to pretend to be a transsexual or a transsexual ally 
you know, wear all the colors, totally get into it and just ask these people with a hidden camera, like to admit that they actually are like, you know, perverts and pedophiles and then upload a video like that. That would have been a better way to go about it. That will win over more of our people who are in a total slumber and snooze than a bunch of people going there and shouting, you, you know, you homos, you know, you trannies, like that's not, even if people agree with you, that's really not gonna, that's not, the, that's not gonna help us really. It's not gonna help anybody, even though I think the majority of even quote normies, I hope it's majority, maybe I'm wrong with this, can kind of see through that whole thing and see that it's like, it makes them feel uncomfortable. There's something weird about it. But what's happening now is that what I'm uh, basically being able to discern from what I've, I've read and known is that oftentimes a lot of these youngsters who are, you know, teen or preteen who are in the public fooling system are being so indoctrinated with this transsexual ideology that they come home and the parent will be like, oh no, that's, that's not true, whatever. And then the child, the youngster will call the parent like a bigot, you know, or a hateful or, you know, whatever. So that's really the genesis of where a lot of this is happening. They're, they're capturing the youth with this. I think people who are a little bit older can really see through all of this and say, oh hell, like this isn't anything, like this is, this is terrible. But I think the youth are so kind of just enmeshed and enscorced in this whole thing that they're the ones that are gonna to go to the parents and say, you know, you're the bigot, you know, you're, you've got the problem, you're being transphobic, you know, whatever language, words don't even work, mean anything because how could you be phobic of something that doesn't exist? There's actually no such thing as transsexualism. You cannot change your sex. Are you able to take medicines and do surgeries and wear costumes that could possibly, depending on who you are, make you pass for the opposite sex? Certainly, but there's never going to be a surgery out there that will make you be able to change your sex. You can do stuff. You can take your, you know, your penis and turn it inside out. You can take a vagina and you know do something where you pump it up and make it look like a penis, which of course is a lot harder than the, than the other surgery, but there's really no such thing as changing your sex because you'll still have a female or male skeleton, you'll still have a female or male brain. So this is just all, it's all smoke and mirrors, right? Essentially, so all in all, the point I wanted to make, yeah, we all know there's nothing quote prideful about pride, it's lust, gluttony, degeneracy, sadness, um, a grooming ground for um, perverts to harm youngsters. And I don't even really like using that word pedophilia because that's not really what it is. That means a lover of children like we talked about on the last live broadcast. That's not what this is at all. It never was. Uh, it's, it's, it's way worse than that. Obviously, these people are pretending to do those types of things that they like children, but they don't. A lot of these people are broken and damaged people. I mean, you have to be broken and damaged to, you know, ask Dr. Z to put a knife, you know, down there. I mean, holy hell, like most people would do anything in their power to not have that happen. But the point I was really trying to make, besides the point that we all know that all that pride stuff is, is Io Sludge and they're, they're targeting youngsters hardcore and this can only end badly with many youngsters becoming sterile, possibly committing suicide, maybe the parents committing suicide because they possibly let their child do this. At the end of the day, it appears to me that this um, event that was looking to be infiltrated by this group, this group has already been infiltrated by 
who knows who, but it doesn't seem like they're legit. I really don't trust large groups anyway. And really, I don't trust any group that's being listed on the SPLC or the ADL anyway, because that's just free advertisements for their, their Zio Sludge agenda. Just thought it was worth mentioning because there was a bit of a discourse uh, this morning, uh, mid-morning, mid kind of like early afternoon, in the white wellness discourse about this very event and people are like, oh, give me proof. And I'm like, I don't have any like concrete proof, you know, for a lot of things, like I don't have concrete proof. Like it doesn't, you think they're gonna put out like concrete proof and what does it even do anyway? Why do we need, why do we need concrete proof? And who says that that concrete proof is actually proof? We already live in a post-truth world. We know that already. We've lived in the post-truth world for years. I mean, can't you get like, fined or like arrested in Canada if you supposedly quote misgender somebody we're obviously living in a post-truth world so what do, what do even quote facts or masculine confirmation matter anymore shouldn't we be using our intuition as our compass wouldn't that be more helpful in regards to our transformation as humans as opposed to always looking for their confirmation that they put out their facts their data who needs it seriously it's a different way of looking at things, you know, maybe it doesn't make everyone feel so comfortable. And then when I say stuff like I say, we're like, oh, this is such a, a female view. It's, it's got nothing about being a woman. It's about looking at things in a more panoramic, earth-based, dharmic, non-Talmudic way. That's really the point that I'm trying to drive home. But just a little bit about that, um, that Zio sludge right there that occurred, um, I guess, this weekend or something like that. Let's see, we've got some humans. Okay, we've got Epiphany, got a bunch of humans here. Um, okay, everyone, OG is here, Josh is here. Uh, Bart is saying, what are we learning today? Um, we're learning about transformation. We're talking about the recent PSYOP. We're gonna talk about food, um, just and just kind of more of an intuitive way. That's kind of like the whole um, thing for today's show. It's gonna be about using our intuition to kind of suss out what is what is good for us and how we can transform by doing that. Unplug the internet and you find some larks. Yeah, you definitely do. And um, Epiphany is saying, in 1,000 years when their bones are dug up and test the DNA, we'll say male or female. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Like all, all the surgery, all the booty implants, all that jazz, like what is that gonna do, right? What is it going to do? It's sad that someone could actually spend so much energy and time and, and money and all of that in, in the biggest delusion of all, right? Deluding the self. It's, it's, it's sad. It's, it's a real commentary, I guess, on the times that we live in and just what people are willing to do for what they believe is acceptance. And the biggest hoax about, quote, pride or LGBTQIAV plus is that people are like, no, I get to be me. No, you don't. You get to be festooned in tons of costumes and surgery. You were you. Now you're no longer you. So, I mean, every agenda that they have is just, um, yeah, I mean, why even waste time with all the agendas? Like, are, are people out there still losing their cool over the agendas? I hope not. Like, I actually saw something the other day that, that um, spoke to me kind of like in a resonance way, and it said, if you're awake, or if you're asleep rather at the wheel, like you know, many people are, many of our people are, that in a way they take your energy when you're totally asleep, right? And then if you're awake and you're aware, but you're like, you're angry and you're riotous and you're just 
pissed off all the time and everything you see you're like reacting to, then they fucking got you too. So even if you're quote awake and aware, if you're in this emotional reactatory phase, they've got you, right? They've got you. If you're like, oh, I'm not going to go into this restaurant because someone I know who dined there was vaccinated or something like, all right, then don't go, go eat somewhere else. But like, why get your underwear in a bunch over these things, right? It's just, it's really, they, if they can play you like a fiddle, the Zio system, if, if they can get a reaction from you, right? So it's something to think about. We've got some other humans joining us. Welcome. Just a little bit I wanted to say there about um, that event, which um, that's what I believe uh, in regards to that event. I Like I said, I wouldn't put any of this, any stock in really anything that's like a mainstream or even like an alt story. Like even some of the things that have been happening in the MSM, like uh, what was something that just recently came to a close that that Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing. I assume that entire thing is just acting, that it's just kosher theater. They are actors, maybe they're trannies, who knows, who cares, doesn't really matter. I assume the whole thing is kosher theater and acting, right? If it was on a lower level of maybe like, kind of like a less of a, like a, you know, widespread event, then maybe, maybe I would think that it could be like a legit thing that actually happened with like people who were, you know, like not like Zog celebrities, but, Come on. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't even use any of these as like reference points for talking about something else. Like people will like use it as a reference point about talking about dysfunctional relationships. Why use a Zog PSYOP as a reference point for talking about a reality that actually exists? It makes no sense. It should all just be discarded as Zio sludge. I believe she absolutely shit the bed. Oh, that was part of that um, case. Who knows? That could be some Talmudic fecal humor that they added in just to see how people would react. Maybe they themselves found it funny. We all know that the Skeksis have kind of like, oh, I guess I'd say a fetish, a, a corpophagic, you know, corpophagia, which is a poop fetish. Um, very disgusting stuff. Who knows? Maybe someone at some point during one of their, you know, acting rituals took a dump in the bed or something. I don't know. Right. Who knows? With the way most people eat, I wouldn't be surprised if they avoided their bowels in bed anyway. Greetings, White Wellness from Chris Wilson. Uh, greetings. Uh, good to have you here. No way she didn't shit the bed. See, even if we're spending time thinking about some actor, actress that defecated on sheets, don't we have better things to do with our time than think about something like that? I mean, what does it matter, right? I mean, all of us have probably had a situation where we have an embarrassing bathroom story, but... Are we broadcasting it to other people? Probably not, right? So just a bit there that I wanted to share as we're going into the opening of the broadcast, just talking about some of these, you know, current events and all that. 6-4 Arian is saying much better things to discuss. Certainly. Which brings me to the next topic. Uh, speaking of much better things to discuss, because there always are much better things to discuss. Although sometimes it's important to kind of go over these, you know, kind of, I don't know, less savory things. Here's something that's worthy of discussing. Let me just, uh, I always like to keep track of everything archived-wise whilst I'm talking. But here is something right here. The 14 codes of the Aryan ethic. Not the 14 words, which most of us are familiar with. We must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children because the beauty of the white Aryan woman must live on. Something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing it. But anyway, this is written by Ron McVan. 
and it is the 14 codes of the Aryan ethic. I wonder how this compares to, quote, pride, right? Number one, honor no gods but those of your own folk, as alien gods destroy you. And that, of course, is true. We've seen that time and time and time again via Abrahamic religions, also via the Abrahamicized New Age religions, the ones that usually come from the East. Number two, nature's laws evidence a divine plan, as the natural world is the work of the All-Father. I would say it could be the work of the All-Mother, or maybe just both together, who really knows. Number three, act nobly and courageously always, carefully considering the consequences as the effects of your deeds live on after you pass from Midgard. That's why it's not good to be capricious. Uh, when we talk about that word capricious, it means rash. I remember that anthropologist Carl Linnaeus, I believe he was a botanist, he was a real polyglot when it came to all different types of, you know, when you read these Wikipedias of, of individuals of yesteryear, and it's like, he was a botanist, he was an astronomer, he was a poet, and like, these people were just doing everything. But I remember he saying that the Negro was governed by caprice. Now I think it's essentially everybody is governed by caprice. I mean, I think the technology has kind of added a capricious aspect to people's personalities, but we don't want to act rashly. Then again, on the flip side, we don't want to never act at all either, right? Number four, live within the reality of this life. Fear not your fate as a valorous man boldly faces what the Norns decree. Number five, love, protect, reproduce, and advance your folk, as natural instinct prohibits miscegenation and self-destruction. And we see that even animals that have very, very short lifespans, that is always what they aim to do, right? To carry on themselves. And of course, it seems like animals for the most part, no better than to engage in miscegenation, but uh, we've been brain poisoned. I don't really want to say washed. We've been brain poisoned for a very long time. I'd say most notably ever since mm, the 1965 Immigration Act when that was passed, and then we had that Loving v. Virginia case in 67, I believe, around the time that the Rogam uh, anti-D injection came out for Rh-negative women. So we've had a lot of uh, intense, um, you know, anti-racial propaganda going back to the mid-60s. Number six, be honest, be disciplined, be productive, and be loyal to friends as the Aryan spirit drives for excellence in all things. Number seven, treasure your history, your heritage, and your racial identity as your ancestors have entrusted. It falls with you, and it will rise with you. And I've also heard that our blood lives on from seven generations. So think about that, you know, think about the people in your family who maybe you never met because you weren't even born before they were here or when they were, you weren't even born when they were, you know, when they were living here and, and they didn't, they passed before you were here. But, you know, just think about these things. Number eight, honor the memory of your kith, kith and kin, especially those who have given their lives for freedom for the folk as your race lives on through your blood and your will. And it definitely does, especially if you have a unique blood type, it definitely lives on. Number nine, respect the wisdom of your elders as every moment of your lives links the infinite past to the infinite future. Of course, we have a society where we really don't respect elders um, at all, I would say. Um, but then again, we also have a society where there's been so much dysfunction for so long 
that a lot of elders have kind of not really become elders from the emotional maturity aspect of a quote elder. They may be a chronological aged elder, but they don't have that elder wisdom because we've been, I guess we've been hijacked in one way or another in regards to getting that wisdom in. And we've had multi-generations of um, dysfunctional child rearing and parenting. Number 10, honor your mate, provide for your children and carry no quarrel with family to sleep time as your family is your purpose and fulfillment. And of course, if you have youngsters, don't argue in front of the children, don't treat your mate poorly um, ever, but especially in front of your children, those set uh, the pattern up for a lot of dysfunction later on. Number 11, may your word to a kingsman be a bond of steel as your troth is your dignity and strength of character. So be a man or a woman of your word. Number 12, be cunning as the fox with enemies and skrillings as their goal is your extinction. And yeah, you have to be cunning. Uh, it's important to be cunning. Number 13, secure, defend and cherish your homeland as nature's territorial imperative demands. And finally, number 14, live in harmony with nature and the folk and compromise not with evil as racial survival is your perpetual struggle. And essentially that is true of every being on this planet, whether they be white, regardless of, you know, of race or species, whether they be uh, an animal, a plant, mycelium, whatever it may be, that, that is the end goal essentially is, you know, the continuum, the satanama essentially. So a little bit there from Ron McVan about the 14 codes of Aryan ethic. How does this stack up to quote pride, right? Which is the probably the exact opposite of these um, ethics and pride or that whole kind of LGBTP fold is very much like veganism because it's so artificial, it really can't be sustained. So whenever people are like, I'm done with this, I'm done with this, you know, this uh, fold, this community, this whatever, you usually get spat on and like treated like total shit because they know they need your, you know, brain poisoned allegiance in order for these things to perpetuate, right? Think about it. 6-4 Aryan is saying, the world is so degenerated, even the morals of the Abrahamic religions are on the way out. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And there are some things, you know, you know, honestly, even though I'm not a big fan of, of Xtianity, but there are some things, you know, in, in the fold of Xtianity that are, you know, kind of family specific or, you know, be, could be part of like an Aryan ethos. But even that's on the way out. I mean, as a whole, like, I don't think that Xtianity is on a rise. I think uh, Islam, if anything, is the, one of the fastest growing religions in this world. And uh, for Judaism, they've never gone out and prosthesized. That's something that's unique about Judaism. They don't go out like as missionaries to try to find people to convert. It does not work like that. But with other religions, it's big on conversion. And I believe that uh, Islam is one of the fastest growing religions. I think with like a lot of different races too. It's it's not just like some of the more mixed races like the, you know, the Arabs and um, I guess like the the Southeast Asians, which are like Australoid, Mongoloid. I think it's with, with a lot of different other groups too, which is kind of uh, hard to imagine. I've, I've looked, you know, not with great intensity into the, you know, the Islamic religion, but what I have looked into, I'm very not into it at all. I don't really like any of the values. But then again, I don't like any of the values of any Abrahamic religion. When I was in university many, many years ago, 
I didn't spend really any time studying those because I didn't find them appetizing. I took one class because it was required and, and that was it. Chris Wilson is saying, white, W, our planet we refer to as Earth and Gaia in Greek and Terra in Latin. Our world, Gaia is demineralization. I'm expert level alternative historian on seven international and five national podcasts. Ours is beyond belief. Groovy. Good to know. And yeah, I like that word terra. I like that one too. I think of like, you know, terracotta and I like Gaia. I like all of those, those words. Six for Arian is saying paganism has been steadily on the rise as well. Yes, that is true. So there's, there's a silver lining there, uh, even though some of these more unsavory you know, religions. I'm not a fan of religion. I, I like I like spirituality. I like indigenous racial spirituality. Which I support. I support that for every racial group out there. You know, which is essentially Sanatana Dharma, the eternal truth. I think that's good for everybody. It's a good look for everyone to connect to their roots, right? So a bit there about the fourteen codes of the uh, the Aryan ethic. I think that's pretty good stuff right there. All right, moving along with some more appetizing information for the broadcast. I'm just kind of uh, pilfering through my notes right here. I've had some notes that I'm sure everyone who's on Telegram has one of those saved folders where you just kind of put in things from time to time that appetize you. And then when the moment occurs, you, uh, you go to that saved folder and you find those appetizing articles. And if you're me, you orate them while you broadcast. Or maybe you do something else if you're not broadcasting. Not everyone's broadcasting these days. That's okay. We all have a a role that we can play uh, in this in this world in this in this struggle. Everyone's doing something. Um, we don't all have to do the same thing in order to be contributing, right? And we all do what we can when we can. So I wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit, and I wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, EMF sensitivity, which I think is something that's also really important. We have so many things going on, you know, it's, it's an onslaught. We, we know that already, but it's always important to focus on, you know, little, little drops in the bucket for everything. Let's just take a gander of some of these, um, these comments right here. Chris Wilson is saying S slash B feminine, not demineralization voice to text is horrible. Oh, okay. See, that makes more sense. Cause I was like, how is Gaia demineralization? I was like, is there something he's trying to talk about where like the earth is like so, so dastardly demineralized. I just like kind of went with it and <laughs> read it, but okay. That makes a lot better sense. Uh, thank you for the correction. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, in interesting correlation of topics, EMF, which is electromagnetic frequency sensitivity and seed oil consumption. We've talked a lot about EMF on the broadcast. We've talked a lot, a lot about seed oils on the broadcast. We've even talked about the connection between electromagnetic frequency sensitivity and uh, heavy metals, especially iron. Oftentimes we're always thinking, oh, mercury, mercury, mercury. And, and yeah, mercury is something. Mercury, of course, is in um, the fish, you know, certain fish, especially large fish that are like more of the oily fish, the bigger fish, especially the larger the animal, the more it... Um, the more it accumulates, it's also in dental work, it's also in vaccination, it's in, it's in a lot of things. But now we're talking about EMF sensitivity and seed oils, because I feel like heavy metals is something that most people, that's kind of like old hat, it's like fluoride, we're aware of it at this point, right? But the seed oil consumption is something that people are still gaining awareness for. And of course, if you're going to go outside the house, 
just be aware that pretty much all places, with the exception of maybe a few, are going to be using seed oils. Now, can you kind of uh, ferret around a menu and find things that aren't cooked in oil? Yes, you can, or you can ask them to use butter or coconut oil if they're willing to do that. A lot of places will actually have this little butter thing like right on the line where people are cooking on the line where it's butter that's in like a, a large stainless container and it's with a ladle and it's actually not all butter. It's butter that's mixed with a seed oil to give it like, you know, thinness or a viscosity because of course butter has a low smoke point. It's going to burn when you're searing off a steak to order. So these are the things that you have to realize when you go outside the house. You can either never go outside the house again and never eat food outside the house again, which for some people that works, for others not so much. So you have to learn how to you know, navigate the menu safely. And also if you have more vitamin E in your diet, you can actually kind of offset some of the effects of the polyunsaturated lipids. I know some humans recommend that people take a vitamin E supplement. I'm not a big fan of those. I don't think that they're very safely uh, made or prepared. I would rather see someone having something like a, what they call tocos, like from the word tocotrienol, which I think is what they call vitamin C. It's a Greek word. Uh, tocos is a rice bran powder that's high in E. You can add it to like smoothies and whatever you want to do. Just add it to like, you know, room temperature milk. We're going to talk about that in a little bit too, about how the temperature of our food will kind of affect us and create or, you know, stall transformation. So that's how seed oils work. Um, they're pretty much ever pervasive in everything. You go into every store, they're there. But here is an interesting article from Dr. Tom Cowan, of course, who co-wrote The Contagion Myth, just a little bit about seed oils and EMF sensitivity. In the late 1890s, as the germ theory gained prominence, the new invention came, a new invention came on the scene, the stainless steel roller press. This gleaming contraption allowed manufacturers to extract oil from hard seeds like corn kernels, cotton seeds, and soybeans. Primitive stone presses worked only for oily seeds like sesame, flax, and rapeseed, and for oily fruits like olives, coconuts, and palm fruit. And keep in mind that olive, coconut, and palm fruit, those are not the same as the seed oils. Uh, olive is a mufa, a monounsaturated fat. Palm fruit... It depends what part of the palm it is, but um, I believe it's mostly mufa, and coconut, of course, is saturated fat. A traditional stone press extracts the oil slowly and without heat, very important, so that the final product is natural and tends to be healthy. It's going to be, you know, less refined, not going to be deodorized and blasted like, you know, the modern Zaya oils. Oil from cottonseed, a waste product of the cotton industry, a heavily pesticide-laden crop, mind you was the first fabrication of a new mechanized press. Like all industrial Zio seed oils, cottonseed oil oozes out of the crushed seeds as a dark, smelly gunk, ugh, something that no one in his or her or they, just kidding, right mind would consume. High temperature processing, which involves alkaline chemicals, deodorizing, bleaching, and hydrogenation, which turns the liquid oil into a solid, like, you know, Crisco, transforms the dark gunk into a product suitable for its initial use. Candles. Procter & Gamble, located in Cincinnati, perfected this refining process for the industrial product. But with electrification, the candle industry declined. What were they going to do with the expensive processing infrastructure which they had invested? Feed the oil to humans, of course. 
The result was a profound change to the food supply, something the world has never seen. It took about 40 years for industrial Zio seed oils as both hard, partially hydrogenated fats and as liquid cooking oils to replace animal lipids for cooking and baking. And of course, this replaced all the you know traditional animal lipids like lard, poultry fat, tallow, etc. Duck fat, which of course would be a poultry fat, all that jazz. Ghee. Cheap industrial Zio oils from cottonseed, corn, and soybeans made the processed food industry possible. So cheap and so profitable that the industry had plenty of money for marketing campaigns and plenty of clout to influence university research and government policy, all different heads of the hydra or all different tentacles of the Zago octopus. For years, health organizations, including the WHO, WAC Hebrew oligarchs, have recommended that a diet containing industry processing vegetable oils instead of natural animal fats. There was something on the CDC website last year, Center for, for, for um, Kosher Disease, mentioning that in order to, quote, fight the, quote, virus, that you should eat um, PUFA Zio seed oils. So, I mean, why, why are we going to trust some news story about some some group you know infiltrating a quote pride parade why are we going to trust anything that they put out if we want a totalitarian totality of transformation we have to turn inward and trust our intuition as opposed to constantly needing masculine confirmation right do you need masculine confirmation to know that zio seed oils are bad or can you take a smell when you walk into the mall and know that they're fucking garbage right no dietary change has ever been as deleterious to health as the advent of Zio seed oils, usually called, quote, vegetable oils, loaded with chemicals, intrinsically rancid and lacking the many essential nutrients that humans get exclusively from animal lipids like butter and lard and poultry fat and tallow. These are a recipe for ill health, chronic dis-ease such as heart dis-ease and cancer, kidney issues, Alzheimer's, immune disorders have increased in lockstep with the increase of vegetable oil consumption. Moreover, the type of fat molecules in vegetable oil, omega-6 linoleic acid, can make our bodies more sensitive to the effects of EMF. So something else, people wonder, oh gosh, I wonder how people got sick if it's not a quote virus, right? Oh, how could that be happening? I thought someone just caught something. Like, again, we don't need the masculine confirmation to know these things. Like if we intuitively know how the body works and we trust ourselves, we don't need this sludge agenda, right? Any of this crap. So something else that's making people ill in this world would be seed oils. And there is a correlation between EMF sensitivity and, of course, uh, there could be, you know, ill liver health in the context of this, uh, low protein diets. I mean, a lot of things will make people ill, uh, bad nutrition, stress, perpetual fear, right? Fear is heightened by iron, ill sleep, heavy metals, EMF, toxic cleaning products, overutilization of antibiotics, uh, pasteurized inorganic dairy, which is poison. Uh, processed foods, refined grains, uh, lack of time in nature, lack of exercise, having poor detox pathways, right? So if you don't have the detox pathways open, if you're not pooping, preferably not in the bed, and if you're not sweating and getting everything out, like you're going to have all of this, you know, gunk stuck in your system. Some say it takes four years to totally detox from these, um, these seed oils. What else can make someone ill? Unhealed trauma, you know, seed oils, like we just spoke of, uh, herbicides and pesticides, 
mold, of course, mold not being the main issue, but of course it causing issues for people, overuse of pharmaceuticals, ill gut health, toxic skin products, toxic air fresheners, having a lack of community, which of course is a, is a big thing in general when you have this type of, of you know, way of thinking, but also with Oyed AI in the last couple of years, overconsumption of sugar, fast food, toxic tap water, lack of minerals, soda, overutilization of alcohol, poor uh, hygiene, especially poor oral hygiene, so these are some ideas of what makes people sick. If anyone was still kind of like bent on the idea that it was a virus, because that's not possible. But just something to think about with, you know, if people are getting sick all the time, feeling like scratchy throat, just feeling sniffly. I've noticed with myself that since I've gotten serious about not eating these things, and for a while I like, I really didn't eat a lot of this stuff anyway. So it really wasn't like a big Thing for me uh, and I grew up on a really orthodox diet so for me to go into like the food store and be like okay I'm just getting the produce today and that's it like it's not a big it's not a big thing for me like I, I have pretty good discipline when it comes to that um, but yeah this is this is an issue for a lot of people the seed oil thing because it's, it's in everything right it's in everything I mean you really want to gain that type of awareness where you're you know, reading the back of the label and like okay okay you know and just kind of seeing it and you know, making, making the best choices when you can and realizing that, you know, a lot of these are probably more deleterious than others. Like I would, I would say that the corn, the corn oil, the cotton seed and the soybean oil are probably more deleterious than say sesame oil, just because we know what they do to those crops. Like those are main crops they use to feed, you know, animals and stuff. And all that is basically, that's why a lot of this CAFO meat really has a higher percentage of polyunsaturated lipids and it gives us that marbled look that we're very used to, especially here in America. When if you're into grass-fed meat, you'll notice that essentially it's a lot, it's a lot leaner and of course it has more of a ratio of, of saturated lipids. That's the way we essentially used to eat meat. But you can still get a good fatty steak that's going to be grass-fed as opposed to the, you know, the fatty steaks in the store which have the, the wrong propensity or the wrong profile of, of oil. Or fats rather. So a bit there about seed oils and EMF sensitivity. Maybe it's something you haven't haven't thought of. What I was going to say though is that ever since I've gotten like uh, rather serious about this, the idea of getting even like a minor like sniffle or something like that just doesn't happen anymore. So I think that's um, a good thing. It really shows you that you're not supposed to be eating these things, right? And if you do eat it, see how you feel. See how you feel after you eat it, right? Why not? Epiphany is saying Buffalo Wild Wing uses lard or sorry, tallow beef. That's interesting. Um, I did not know that. I'm wondering if the quality of the the uh, chicken is probably subpar. But I mean, if they're using lard or tallow, that that's definitely a plus. Um, I remember McDonald's, not that I'm promoting them. They used to use tallow. And then some incident happened in the 90s, I think, where some Dravidians who were Hindu, who, of course, do not eat um, animal lipids, they actually gave McDonald's a really hard time saying, you know, you're falsely representing your, your French fries as a vegetarian product. You know, we ate them and uh, there's meat in them. That's around the time when McDonald's switched over and started using these iosludge uh, seed oils. They used to actually fry their fries in tallow, which is how they should be eaten. Not to say that we should be eating fried food 
on the regular because I really don't think that that's part of like a regular staple of a healthy diet. But if you want to have something nice every now and again, do it in your home. Just a lady is saying, oh, ghee. Yeah, ghee's good stuff. I actually just recently got some flavored ghees that um, I like quite a bit. Um, those are always a fun way to kind of cook something up really nice. 6-4 Arian is um, saying, Tabitha, what's your opinion on peanut butter? Or I guess I'll answer this for all nut butters. I would say that that's a more whole foods way of getting in the polyunsaturated fats, you know, because it's just peanuts that are just basically roasted and, and ground like it would be for anything else. Is it going to be high in polyunsaturated fats? Yeah, it is. But if you want to have a little bit of like nuts here and there, like I wouldn't beat myself up about it. Like if you want to say, I'm never going to eat nuts again and that works for you, so be it. But if you want to have a little bit of peanut butter here and there, like for example, yesterday, I had a spoonful of peanut butter. I haven't done this in a long time. I just had a, a, a craving for it. So I just had it. Did I beat myself up and demoralize myself and self-devaluate myself? No, I enjoyed it, right? But I don't make it a regular part of my diet. But, you know, every now and again, like in the context of a mainly healthy diet, I don't think it's that much of an issue. But like if you're one of those people who's sitting down and literally eating the entire jar of the nut butter, then I would say that's an issue. That's someone who probably has some type of deficiency with fat, deficiency with minerals, maybe some type of like eating disorder. But you know, if you're eating it here and there in the context of a healthy diet, I don't think it's it's an issue. What I think is more of an issue is becoming orthorexic with our diets, you know, like which is orthorexia is um, different than bulimia or anorexia. It's when someone like tries to be too healthy, which can, you know, manifest in many different ways but that could be you know something that you know you might want to obviously avoid because that can be alienating in general you know to, to having a social life it can probably cause lots of anxiety it takes a long time to kind of get out of that way of thinking and I also think that you know taking tons of supplements and stressing our liver that's worse than eating a spoonful of peanut butter too or getting pissed off or feeling traumatized all the time so you know we have to pick our our things that we're going to use in this life and if a spoonful of peanut butter makes you happy you know every now and again then so be it just a lady is saying just been quote natural flavor pill for the lack of a better term yeah that's another big thing um and that is in everything i've noticed in the last couple of um years everything in the store is like natural flavor even the organic stuff it's all natural flavor and there's nothing natural about it six four arian is saying everything you just listed is most people's everyday life or that list about you know people getting ill yeah a lot of those things are facets of a lot of people's lives unfortunately but they can change those things right i mean i've done some of those things on that list too like we, we all have like no no one like came into this world like completely and totally like you know unfrazzled like all of us have been exposed to emfs all of us have been stressed out right all of us have probably been in contact with herbicides and pesticides right all of us have gone through a phase of being demineralized so like it's it's about it's not about freezing, saying, oh, my God, I'm fucked. Like, it's about, okay, how can we fix this? How can we do better? How can we mitigate this, right? Epiphany is saying there is an app called Fig that is for food intolerance, but you can program it to avoid anything. It will scan the barcodes and inform you of the safety of food. That's good to know. I'm going to make a little note right here 
uh, Wilstam Orating, Wilstam Broadcasting, called Fig. So that's great, especially if someone is maybe new to some of these things and not really like, oh, where do I start? Like, there's, there's just, I'm so overwhelmed. This is so stressful for me. Using a tool like that could be like super helpful. Chris Wilson is saying, pagan 14K years ago and beyond had very positive meaning. Originally, it meant the Druids respected and preserved nature. There were fourth dimensional beings and established colleagues, colleges and learning centers across the planet sharing teaching their fourth D ideologies. That is why tetrahedral, the four-sided polygon, exists across the globe. All races then, ancient builder race and megalithic race, were telepathic among all psychic skill set. Visit Michael Cesarian's website to learn more. Yeah, I've heard a bit about this uh, fellow before and looked into some of that type of stuff. But yeah, I think we used to have more of a intuitive technology. Like, think about it. Telepathy is not masculine confirmation. Telepathy is basically, I'd say it's part intuition, but it's also part um, harnessing our, our personal power as well. So every time we look outside of ourselves for masculine confirmation, and, and I keep on saying that, not because it's an anti-male sentiment. I'm not a misandrist, obviously. It's just that that is a very masculine, analytical, left-brained, show me the study, you know, give me the results of that. I, I need to see this in writing. I need to see some xylosludge study that tells me that this is good or bad for me. Why do we need that outside confirmation? We should be relying on our own intuition as opposed to getting it via masculine confirmation. Yeah, it's a, it's a bummer to see it all the time, especially with people who you see to be in the know in other regards of things, and then they're you know still looking for that outside themselves confirmation. And the reason I'm saying it's masculine is because it comes from that perception or perspective of seeing everything in kind of like a very kind of tabulated way and sometimes that's necessary right like when the bill comes that's necessary but if we see everything that way it's a talmudic takeover and hijacking of our brain k equals thousands in mathematics yeah i figured that meant uh thousands like uh you know like uh when someone has the price of a like a house written down so all right, we are going to be taking a little song break, and then we'll be coming back, and we'll be talking about a lot of groovy stuff. I am Tabitha. This is the totality, totality rather, of transformation on White Wellness Radio, and we will be right back after this brief song. I'll dance And if you don't I'll dance anyway Give peace a chance Let the fear you have Fall away I've got my eye on you I've got my eye on you Say yes to me If you go, I'll stay 
back. That was Lana Del Rey with Yes to Heaven back in 2013. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm your host, Tabitha. This is White Wellness Radio, the totality of transformation. And we are talking about lots of groovy things on today's broadcast. We're getting a comment in the chat. Are we still taking down the Zog machine? I suppose the answer is always yes to that, right? I like to use the word Skeksis system. I'm a fan of alliteration. All right, so let's get back into it. We were just talking a little bit about the connection between electromagnetic frequency and Zio sludge seed oils. And chances are all these people walking around saying they, quote, got the virus. They're probably eating a diet that is rife in polyunsaturated lipids and fortified iron filings and low protein and, you know, all the typical stuff that, uh, you know, the Zio sludge slave would be doing, right? And, you know, a lot of times, a lot of us were doing those things at one point too, right? I mean, there was a time when I ate some of that shit. I'll be honest. I'm sure you listening probably did the same thing, but now we do better because we know better. And that's part of the totality of totality. Keep on fucking that word up. The totality of transformation, right? Raccoon6 has joined us. Hello. Greetings. Good to be here. So yeah, just talking a little bit about that, that connection and, you know, important not to try to, you know, beat a dead horse with the message, but I I like sometimes talking about things more than once because radio is repetition after all. So now we're going to switch gears and we're still going to be talking about something on the vein of nutrition. We're going to be talking about a a topic that is something that we've talked about, I believe, one time before, just briefly. But we're going to talk about it a little bit more because I think it's really important, especially in the summer where more of us are apt to eat cold foods, right? And you think, oh, wow, what the hell's wrong with cold food? It's hot. I'm going to have cold food. Well, maybe not so fast, right? And this doesn't necessarily... Um, how should I put this? 
if people are let's let's say doing like a raw primal diet where they're only really eating like you know raw foods predominantly animal foods you still don't have to eat those foods cold no one says you have to grab a steak out of the fridge and just start munching on that. Um, even Ajahnus Vonder Plants would always say you want to bring your food to room temperature and let it get nice and warm. So that is important. So let's talk about this. We're going to talk about this from a bit of a TCM perspective, which is kind of like, I'd say, the antithesis to the way we should do things in the, quote, West. And when I say West, I'm not really talking about white Western civilization. I'm talking about more of a Talmudic uh, nouveau way of doing things that really just makes people tethered to the uh, other suffering or allopathic uh, modality known as the medical community. So here is a bit about this, a Chinese medicine approach to food, skip the cold salad. And this is kind of flies in the face of most nutritional advice out there. Um, and also look, thinking about this too, whilst I'm, I'm going through this material, thinking about the uh, ever popular uh, metabolic diet. I, I don't really like to call anything like a diet. And of course, you know, eating foods that are metabolically balanced is what our ancestors did for millennia anyway. I mean, obviously the advent of seed oils, like we were just hearing about in the last article, that's caused, you know, metabolic dysgenia for generations of individuals along with low protein and lack of sunlight and, you know, iron filings for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it's, you know, the preserves and natural flavors. It's been a total disaster. It's dastardly. But I'm thinking about this metabolic diet, which is very trendy these days, uh, very hot and spicy and sexy. And I've done many broadcasts on this topic, but something that I've been honing in on as of late is that Many of these, quote, metabolic foods, remember all natural foods properly prepared are essentially metabolic, right? It's just that a lot of these foods that are being presented as being like the top picks, they're all being promoted to eat cold, right? And cold foods are not good for us. They're not good for our blood. They're not good for our spleen, digestion, etc. And if you don't believe what I'm saying, that's totally okay. You don't have to believe a word on this broadcast. It's, it's up for you to discern and, and use your own area infiltration system, your AFS, to see what works for you. But you know what? If you don't believe me, why don't you try it for a week? If you don't need to hear this masculine confirmation, why don't you use your intuition for a week and try it yourself and see how you feel? And I have this theory, which I've been working with recently. Uh, I think that when you eat a lot of cold foods, remember when you eat something cold, it kind of like chills your blood. But whether it's hot out or cold out, it's probably more deleterious when it's the winter, obviously. But I have this theory that I've been working with the last couple of weeks that you're less likely to have good flexibility and have stiffness when you eat cold food. And we're talking about cold temperature food. We're not talking about the uh, foods that have cool properties, right? So for example... Green tea has cooling properties when we classify it as a warm or a cool food. I'm talking right now about cold temperature foods. We are going to talk about cooling and heating foods after this, but right now I'm talking about the temperature of food. And I'm not talking about spicy food, so that's just different. Do you start your day by grabbing a chilled vegetable juice from the fridge or eating a raw salad bowl for lunch, sushi for dinner, and maybe to treat yourself to frozen sorbet for an evening tide snack? Sounds reasonably healthy, right? Maybe not, and not for the reasons you might think. We tend to eat a lot of raw and cold foods in the Western culture, but according to the Chinese medicinal theory, TCM, 
this could be a mistake. And remember this too, as I'm reading, the whole idea of the refrigerator is a rather modern invention, right? Back when the refrigerator first started to become like a thing here in America, it was considered that you were wealthy. If you were a housewife that was able to have a refrigerator and put an aspic or a jello in there and have it set up, you were considered to be, you know, like, oh, you had money. That was a sign of having money. So keep in mind that a lot of these foods that many of us essentially take for granted and, and eat on a regular basis, probably in an un or subconscious manner, a lot of this has only been available possibly in like the last 100 years or so because of the advent of refrigeration. Back in the day, it was something that only like the lug, like luxury people could be able to have these, these foods, right? And now any, any hobo can have them. Chinese dietary therapy refers to the, quote, middle burner and how to support your spleen and stomach by keeping one's stomach warm, probably around 100 degrees Fahrenheit, meaning we should consume less cold and raw foods and consume more foods that are slightly cooked. In addition, we should eat moderately and chew well. It's best to avoid cold, chilled, or frozen drinks that too often accompany the Western meal. And the whole idea of drinking with food, too, is, is something unto itself. I mean, think about when you go into a fast takeaway or even like a casual dining spot. They always bring you a beverage, typically a large iced beverage, to consume with your food, right? Whether your food is icy or not. And, of course, it's blasting like, you know, AC like Wilster Dining. To most acupuncturists and doctors of Chinese medicine, the benefits can be quite stark. So here they talk about the middle burner diet and how this works. So we have the upper burner, which is the lungs and the heart, right? So food becomes a basis of creating qi, you know, prana, chi, vril, energy, whatever you want to call it. So food becomes a basis of creating energy with the lungs and the heart's blood. Kidney essence becomes key, and when that key accumulates, it becomes shen or spirit, which is the key accumulated in the heart, which manifests our consciousness. So we get to the middle burner area of the body where the food begins to be processed. Uh, parts of the food are sent from the upper burner, the lungs and the heart, to be retained to the lower burner, which is the spleen and the stomach. The stomach is like the pot on the stove, whilst the spleen is uh, the fire under the pot. Okay. So imagine your stomach is the actual pot and the spleen is the fire. So if you're eating all these cold temperature foods and that affects your spleen health, how are you going to digest the food in your stomach if the spleen is the fire under the pot of the stomach, right? For optimal digestion, the fire of the spleen to remain around 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Just like fire, the spleen doesn't like dampness. And I was also thinking about this, too, in regards to mold and mold susceptibility, even though, of course, mold is not the issue. This is totally different, but it works in, in a certain regard. I'm wondering if people who are more susceptible to the ill effects of the mold, even though the mold is not the reason for it, it's, it's the cleansing, essentially, if they are people who have more dampness from a TCM perspective, eating a damp Western diet, maybe they become more susceptible to the ill effects of the mold. Finally, we go to the lower burner, which is the kidneys, where they transform the impure foods, reabsorb the pure, and excrete the impure. So you absorb the nutrients and you excrete the stuff you don't need, you know, hormones, toxins, etc., via, you know, the eliminatory channels you know, anus, um, urethra, etc., sweating. Kidney stores the essence or excess key, which is a combination of the air, food, and drink we consume. So that's the breakdown of how it goes in TCM. I hope that was uh, able to be comprehended um, 
easily from everybody. A little bit more. So we want to keep the middle burner balanced, right? The middle fire, that is the spleen and the stomach, which allows for a warm center and proper digestion. Digestion's a big problem for a lot of people. Essentially, everyone I've worked with doing the white wellness counseling has had some type of digestive ill. If the fire becomes weak through lack of proper foods, the middle burner is forced to supplement its fire with energy drawn from the lower burner, so it will take from your kidneys, right? When this happens, your kidney fire may become depleted, so you can have like a kidney deficiency. According to TCM, this can turn into restlessness, imbalance, or agitation in mind and spirit. Agitation in mind and spirit can interfere with proper digestion. Before you know it, you're trapped in a cycle of depletion and disharmony, which affects the mind, body, and spirit, all because your diet was not balanced. It could not support the middle burner fire. So even if from more of a Western perspective, a food is, quote, metabolic. If you're eating it the wrong way, it's going to imbalance you, right? And like I said, you can try this for yourself. Try it for a week. Try it for two weeks. See how you feel. The triple burner. In TCM, the stomach is likened to a pot on the stove with the upper burner containing the heart and the lungs. Middle burner, of course, has the spleen and the stomach over the lower burner, which is the kidneys, but also the intestine, the liver, and the reproductive organs. The stomach is the pot of the middle burner and the spleen is the fire under the pot. The spleen has to distill the purest parts of food, um, sending them up to the lungs and heart to create the key within the lungs and blood within the heart. The stomach sends down the impure parts of food to further transform them by the large intestine. After more than 30 years of studying, eating, and prescribing Chinese food, renowned Chinese medicinal writer Bob Flaws states that, according to Chinese dietary theory and therapy, I have come to the conclusion that most people do best if they stick with what I have called basic middle burner and a spleen-benefiting diet. Whilst our bodies are able to extract more nutrients from slightly cooked foods than raw foods, and some might say that's debatable, I think it depends on the food. I think if we're talking about vegetation, they should be cooked. If we're talking about animal foods, it really depends. When it comes to things like dairy, I don't think that those should be really cooked, especially if they're protein rich, because you'll cauterize the protein and then it, I think you essentially render it useless. I know not everyone believes in what I believe, but whatever, my broadcast, I'm saying how I feel. Uh, with the choice of animal food, like actual meats and things like that, definitely eating them raw can... Um, can be beneficial, but some people can also find it extremely soothing to eat them kind of cooked in like a soup or a stew, especially if it's a gelatinous cut, which breaks down, right? So when you eat raw foods, let's say we're not talking about meat. Let's say we're talking about like more of the vegetation type of stuff and then the dairy, okay? This refers to the energetics of food or its post-digestion temperature. Eating too many even cooling foods, not just cold, but cooling foods. And keep in mind, we mostly eat these cooling foods on a cold temperature. So these cooling foods, lettuce, celery, cucumber, mango, watermelon, tomato, which of course are all great stuff. They're very high in water. They're, they can cool you off. They're good this time of year. But let's say we're eating all of this. Let's say we're living in the Northeast in January and we're eating these foods. Something's wrong, right? If these foods are consumed raw or chilled, this further intensifies their cooling effect, right? So you always kind of want to make them either room temperature or you want to balance them in a meal with more, you know, warming young foods, right? The stomach and spleen are most affected by 
diet, as the stomach receives the food, the spleen transforms food into key and blood. Improper food means insufficient raw material reaching the spleen, causing key or blood deficiency. And blood deficiency is when the, um, the blood kind of like will lose some of its vitality. It can get thick. It can get um, impure, and it can also trickle down from uh, a perspective of the menstrual cycle for women where you'll have like less of a bleed because there's this blood deficiency because the spleen is being compromised by too many cold or cooling foods. A bit about fresh pressed vegetable juices. So if you want to kind of make these more balanced, you can add a little bit of ginger, which is very warming. You could also add fruits and vegetables to balance them. You can add some lemon, which will stimulate the flow of key. You could drink a glass of warm water with your juice, things like that. And of course, in general, when you are drinking water, it's to drink um, room temperature, not to drink it iced, right? I think actually, if you drink more iced or cold things, you'll actually overheat more over time. And you'll actually put on weight too. They always used to say this like ridiculous thing in the 90s that like these supermodels were probably just like anorexic men anyway who were like trying to be women, but like whatever, who cares? That if these supermodels, all they did was like they drank all this cold water and like it raised their body temperature and their metabolism, they could like burn more calories. These are probably just like guys who were starving themselves like in drag. So it was, it was a psyop obviously, like, like essentially everything. But if you're taking in all these cold things, cold liquids, cold foods, etc., it can put on weight. And I think it actually makes you sweat more because you're getting heavier, right? Look what they do like in India, for example, or any of these like tropical areas. When they're hot, they eat hot food, whether it be hot in temperature or hot like spicy. And that actually gets them to sweat and that cools them off right? They don't down ice beverages, right? Think about it, right? A lot of the stuff that we've taken for granted in this quote, Western culture is really just benzyl sludge. Most vegetables are cooling or even cold in nature and have a cooling effect on the body. It makes sense to eat fresh seasonal fruits as your body requires cooling during the heat of summer, of course. And it's not all bad. I'm just trying to like, you know, showcase how it could be, you know, too intensified. It can cause issues. Grains tend in general to be cool or neutral. Fish can be neutral or cooling. Poultry and red meats tend to be warming or hot, with mutton being the most warming meat out there. Wild game tends to be hotter than domesticated meat. And dairy varies. Um, sheep milk is warmer than cow, and goat's milk is even warmer than sheep. So anyone dealing with like a coldness in the body or like what they call like a wind or a dampness would probably do better with goat's milk and always room temperature for these things. You could also change the properties of food by utilizing spices in cooking. For example, you can cook vegetables um, to pre-digest them and break them down, make them more easily assimilate to the body. Also adding some lipids, some non-zio seed oil sludge lipids. Like for example, if you're going to eat Brussels sprouts, they're a cruciferous vegetable, right? So obviously we know they're gonna be slightly goitrogenic, meaning they inhibit thyroid function. So what do we wanna do? We don't want to eat them in abundance. We want to eat them here and there. We want to cook the shit out of them. Not until like, they break down, but we want to cook them until like a fork can poke through them. And then we want to serve them with ample salt and butter, right? That's the way to eat vegetables. The worst way to eat vegetables is the crudite platter at a soiree. That's got to be the most, you know, 
deleterious way, you know, raw, cold, no good. Cooking also warms and helps lessen the cooling effects of the food. This is why we recommend cooking vegetables a bit before eating them so the raw, cold vegetables do not put your digestive fire or burner out. Adding the hot or the warming spices like the ginger, cinnamon, cardamom, cayenne, etc. will all kind of, you know, help do this, uh, do this for it. Also, certain things work together too. Think about when you go out and you have sushi or something. You eat pickled ginger with the sushi because the pickled ginger acts as a palate cleanser, but also will neutralize the cooling nature of the raw fish. Pretty cool, right? So you think you see also the wasabi. Think about the wasabi. It's warming, right? Fish is naturally cooling. They typically serve the sushi at a colder temperature. That's one of the things I actually don't like about sushi. I really do love sushi and I love eating like, you know, raw fish and raw meat, but I hate that they always serve it so cold. Like I've actually ordered it sometimes in the restaurant like an hour or two in advance before I ate it because I didn't want to eat cold food. The Chinese medicine diet is not a fixed thing. It will always be adjusted when conditions or symptoms change. That's what I like about more of these Aryan modalities. And from the research I've done, I do believe that the TCM modality and the Ayurvedic modality are definitely the medicine of our people, just it's been trickled down to the way it is now. And we use the phrase TCM to refer to it. So the uh, TCM doctors pay attention to every detail in life and prepare food or mind state when eating to play the significant roles. You'll be surprised how quickly your body will respond to the middle burner way of eating and remember that balance is key. You want to adjust your diet as your body and environment changes. Eating more raw and cooling foods on the hot summer days will certainly make sense, but overall try eating more slightly cooked and warming foods as per the middle burner diet. If we eat foods in a balanced way, we keep our yin and yang balanced as well. As Chinese doctors will first treat illness and dis-ease with food and diet and only consider Western medicine if treating with food has not worked. So it's definitely something to think about, especially if you have digestive problems, which most people do. Like if you're not using the toilet as regularly as you would be desirous of doing, if you feel like you're plugged up, or there's like poop stuck inside of you, or you've got bloating, or gas, uh, can't lose weight, think about this. This is something that a lot of people are just kind of overlooking because so many of our foods in the West are just designed to eat cold. And like I said, even if they're, quote, metabolic, they're not going to be metabolic if they're being eaten in this way. It's something I don't see anybody in this community talking about, and I also see a lot of people in these communities who are extremely large, and I'm wondering if there is a correlation between them eating all of this cold food, especially cold pasteurized dairy and cold juices, and then becoming so large. So a little bit there about skipping the cold food and digestion from a different perspective than we're used to hearing. Let's take a gander at the chat. Chris Wilson is saying, Tabitha, I've been in your audience before as I've bookmarked your site previously. By the way, Raccoon and I co-host on our platform Beyond Belief. I just mentioned your show as live. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad for that. I appreciate that. Raccoon is saying, ice water is not good for the human body. Agree. It's also a modern thing, too. Remember that ice bucket challenge that those tomfools were doing a few years ago for ALS? That was probably such a shock and so damaging to people who had those buckets of ice dropped on them, right? Tiffany is saying everything is so spicy or too sweet these days. Yeah, they are. Definitely. Everything is even like main dish food is spicy. It's really crazy. OG is signing out. Okay. Au revoir. TTYL. 
6-4 Arian is saying, I have eaten raw eggs right after they were laid by my chickens and felt nutrition soaked right and felt great. That's the best way to eat the egg. You go out there, you see the egg just pop out of the chicken's butt, you crack it and you eat it. And when it's warm like that, it's a different warm than if it's like just been sitting out. Like I leave the eggs out. Like I don't refrigerate the eggs unless like I just have too many of them and I have to refrigerate them after a certain time and then, you know, give them away or something. But yeah, eating an egg like that feels very vital. Like think about like after a, a fresh kill was made and liver was eaten, it was eaten raw and warm, right? Pulsating essentially, not, not frozen, you know? I mean, yeah, nowadays a lot of us have to buy our liver frozen. I have to most of the time get it frozen. I tried to score some fresh lamb liver a couple of weeks ago. It was all sold out. I was all set to eat it completely fresh in the backyard raw, but that didn't happen. So most of the time I'm now getting frozen liver, but I still will take the little, you know, snack packs out of the fridge and I will let it come to room temperature before I eat it. Of course, this way of eating requires planning, something that most people don't do, especially when it comes to food. Oh, you have to plan your meals. Gee whiz, that's a lot, right? But this is a skill. You have to learn how to provide these things for yourself because who, who the hell else is going to do it, right? We used to have root cellars, Raccoon is saying. Yeah, we did. Um, and that was a great way to preserve roots and tubers, you know, beets, carrots, potatoes, etc., turnips. Raccoon is saying cooling the spleen causes the insulin receptors to malfunction. And that makes sense. And how, how crazy is it that they tell people from these metabolic diets that you need to eat you know, in a certain way to balance your blood sugar so your insulin doesn't go wonky, but then they're telling people to eat these cold foods that are going to fuck up their insulin receptors anyway. That's why I, I've always kind of had a reservation for any of those modalities that are very much in this Western kind of masculine confirmation mindset because it removes our intuition. And that's one of the end goals that Big Z wants is to remove our intuition, right? You forget about even remembering someone's birthday or phone number. Just look in your mobile device, right? They want everything to be like that so we don't really remember anything. And I think now it's it's actually even harder to keep up with information. It's not that we're all losing our mind or we're all like, you know, suffering from memory loss. I think that there's just so much information out there. How can you remember all this stuff? Like it's hard to remember what you had for breakfast yesterday because there's so much data being thrown at you. 6-4 Arian is saying, drink raw milk. I already had um, my raw milk today. I always have one glass of raw milk um, after my workout, and I mix in some marine collagen and some pearl powder, as well as some Tokos uh, rice bran powder and some reishi. It's like my chillaxy high-protein um, milk drink that I make. Let's see. Okay. That's one of the last comments that we got right there. So yeah, a little bit about cold food. Um, maybe something you haven't heard before. Something to consider. And like I said, if you, if you don't believe it, that's okay. You don't have to believe every, everything you hear here. But uh, if you want to experiment, you could try it yourself and see how it works for you. So now just a little bit of an overview of what are some cool foods, some cooling foods, and some heating foods and foods that are neutral. So food essentially falls into three categories, yin or cooling, yang or heaty. I don't know why they're calling it heaty. It sounds kind of like a, an unusual uh, transformation, a transformation translation. I'll call it 
um, warming instead of heaty, because heaty is a hard word to kind of say, or neutral, meaning neither heaty or neither warm nor cooling. So should you eat more warm or cooling foods? So what are some ideas of yin or cooling foods? Uh, in the fruit category, mangosteen, most of us don't get too much of that these days, but anyway, mangosteen, apples, watermelon, these are all cooling. Strawberry, persimmon, pear, lemon, orange, kiwi, banana, and grapefruit. Uh, what's cooling in regards to uh, meats and seafoods and animal foods? Eggs are cooling. Crab is cooling. Clams, yogurt, more cooling foods. Sugarcane, chrysanthemum tea, water chestnut, peppermint, green tea, soy sauce, salt, sesame, vegetables that are cooling, lettuce, mushrooms, bitter gourd, broccoli, eggplant, celery, green leafy vegetation, asparagus, spinach, Swiss chard, alfalfa, cauliflower, and cucumber. And what grains, legumes, and seeds are cooling? Whole wheat, buckwheat, mung bean, soybean, not that most of us are eating that, millet, wheat bran, and barley. So those are all cooling foods. Someone was dealing with like a heat in their body, they might want to eat more of the cool foods. And of course, eating cool foods does not mean eating cold foods. You could eat these foods depending on how it worked for your constitution. Like let's say you wanted to have the cooling benefit of green leafy vegetation, but you wanted to be able to digest it well. So you would cook it, warm it up in like some chicken stock, right? Maybe add some gelatin to it, add some other things, maybe add some meat, serve it with some rice, and have it that way as opposed to doing more of the, the Western Zio sludge thinking and have like a humongous cold like kale salad, which is not going to digest well for anybody, worse for some people more than others. Now we get to the yang or the warming foods. Some warming fruits would be durian, jackfruit, apricot, raspberry, chestnut, coconut meat, guava, cherry, condiments and beverages that are warming. Wine, coffee, which I believe coffee, when you first start taking it, it starts out warm, but then it ends up being like a cold food. Brown sugar is warming, even though white sugar is cooling. Vinegar, garlic, cumin, black pepper, clove, fennel, cinnamon, rosemary, chili, basil, ginger, all the warming spices. When you think about more of the cooling spices, you'll think about stuff like um, coriander is also cooling. Coconut is cooling. I'm just thinking from more of the Ayurvedic perspective, what they usually prescribe for people who are, who are pitta dosha. Uh, also warming foods would be like the glutinous rice, what they call sticky rice. Glutinous rice doesn't actually have gluten in it. It just has that glutinous, like sticky texture. Walnuts are warming. Pistachio is warming. Squash and onion are warming vegetables, as are mustard greens, leek, pumpkin, and squash. And the warming meats are beef and mutton, mutton being the warmest meat. Lamb is warming, ham, shrimp, lobster, sea cucumber, butter is warming, chocolate is warming. And what are some neutral foods out there? Neither having strong yin or yang properties. Oysters are a neutral food. Fish, cow's milk, even in general, um, cow's milk tends to be a little cooler than the other milks. Duck, pork, and scallop are all kind of neutral. Neutral condiments include honey, rock sugar, saffron. Grains and legumes would be white rice, kidney beans, sunflower seeds, and peanuts. Uh, neutral fruits would be goji berry, uh, berries in general, olive, lemon, fig, and grape. And notice how other citruses like orange and grapefruit were cooling, but lemon is neutral. 
And finally, in regards to vegetables, Chinese cabbage, potato, white mushrooms, black mushrooms, carrots, and corn are all neutral foods. So when you pair them all together, you make that, that mixture of yin and yang, and that's how you kind of create a meal, essentially. And you may be doing this just un or subconsciously, not even knowing that you're creating kind of like a balance of, you know, warm, warm foods, cool foods, neutral foods. But when we cook, it sometimes comes out almost like as an intuition or an intuitive process where we end up making a meal where, let's say we have a salad, even though salad is not the best food. And then we have maybe like, you know, more of a warm roasted dish. And then we have something sauteed or something steamed. And that also comes into play. It's not just the foods themselves, but it's how we're cooking them. If we roast something, that's going to be drier and young. If we steam something, that's going to be softer and yin. I'm typically more of a fan of wet cooked foods. And if you notice, when you go out to most restaurants, with the exception of soup, nothing is wet cooked. Everything is roasted, sauteed, broiled, fried, air fried, you know, blasted to create this crust, um, which is kind of unusual because there really are, when you think about foods from like a natural perspective, how many foods are really crunchy? Maybe this harkens back to us like crunching on bones, right? And we really like are craving crunch because like there's like some ancestral meaning to like us actually having crunch in a different way. But the only way we can get crunch these days is like from like snacking goods and like high heat preparations of food. Just something to think about. But yeah, there's a lot to go that goes into planning a meal and it could be very complicated or very simple. When you get to the point where you're overwhelmed with food, it becomes extremely complicated. When you get to the point where you're just intuitively know and you're not really following any of the Zio dogma that's out there, becomes rather intuitive. I think oftentimes less is more in regards to everything, not not just, you know, in regards to nutrition, but with everything, like we could always like binge ourselves out with taking in way too much information and then just feel like fatigued and have like a, I don't just let not even know like what's what we should do. Should we eat that? Should we not eat this? Should we do this, not do this? And I think that's one of the purposes of a lot of these anti-social medias is to get us like in this frenzy where like we freeze and we either buy everything and try everything or we just don't even know what to do, right? And it's it's very effective and it's very sensational, especially when they have all these, you know, video marketing for all the stuff they're trying to peddle at us, right? So let's see, what else do I have for today's broadcast? Um, hmm. Looks like I'm coming to the close of the information that I have thus far. Let's see. I'm just checking the list over here of things to talk about. Hmm. I think I've come to the end of my material for today's broadcast. It looks like that. Let me just take one more Gandhi over at the, uh, the Telegram and see if there's anything else that's appetizing and worth discussing for today. Oh yes, we'll end with this. This is very lovely. This is a high note to end on. A couple of magical morning rituals for your morning. Uh, things you can do to get that good start on the morning. Here are some ideas. Uh, these are all kind of things that really don't require a lot of like, you know, money or, you know, fancy type of stuff. This is stuff that, you know, and it could be accessible to any of us, right? So here we are. 
Drink warm herbal tea or water first thing in the morning. Hydrate first. Again, warm. Emphasis on the warm. How, how gross is it to like jolt out of bed with like a... And then like have like some cold water. Like, does that sound like the way that we were supposed to wake up? No, it doesn't. So drinking some warm herbal tea or water first thing in the morning, hydrate first. I typically have room temperature water first and then I have my tea. They're saying to add herbal potions to elevate the magic in your cup. I guess that would kind of be the herbal tea. And of course, you know, don't just willy nilly use herbs. Find out which ones work for you. Um, but yeah, be always be, you know, conservative with that because it's not to say that you should just, you know, start piling on all the herbs and stuff. You know, use the ones that are for your condition. And if you need help discerning that, you know, work with someone who can help you. Speak loving and positive affirmations to yourself. Tell yourself it's a great day to be alive, etc. Cleanse your space internally and externally. Clear space equals clear mind. And yeah, it's good to like not have too much clutter around the house and to keep a like a, a thing on it. You know, like don't let it get to a point where you, you know, you can't open the door to your closet because like everything falls out. I always remember the kids in like high school when I was in the public pooling system who would like clean out their lockers on the last day of school. And it was like a whole event. And since I always kept my locker looking spiffy on the regular, it was nothing for me. It didn't even exist, right? Charge yourself with the energy of the sun. If you can get out in the morning, perhaps do some earthing. Um, maybe you go outside first thing in the morning and you feed your chickens or whatever you do, um, get some energy, you get vitalized from the sun. Make space for intentional mornings. Take a technology break. Do not look at your mobile device until you have to. Of course, this will vary depending on your job. Go for a walk or do some movement to awaken the body. Maybe some yoga or take a walk. Maybe if you have a pooch, you know, take your dog for a walk. And also, finally, take time to meditate and recharge, even if it's five minutes. It doesn't have to actually be that you're sitting, you know, in pranayama. You can just take five minutes to wake up slowly whilst you're in the bed, you can do some cat stretches back and forth and just kind of slowly wake up. Or if you have a cat or a dog, perhaps your cat or dog or your child will come into the bed and, and wake you up and be your little alarm clock and you can meditate together, right? Depends on the cat that you have though. With my cat, it's uh, not too much meditation going on. Typically she, she walks on my head and then wakes me up or something like that. So so yeah, some magic morning rituals right there. And um, I think that's all we have for today's broadcast. I'm going to end it now with a groovy quote from poet Rainer Maria Rilke. You must change your life. That's right. You must change your life because you are the totality of your transformation, right? So we'll leave it with that groovy quote right there from Rainer Maria Rilke. Again, a poet, Austrian poet, you must change your life. And we've got some comments right here. I'll just read these before I sign out. Country Girl is saying, hey, hey, oh, I missed it. Um, yeah, you did, but you know what? I'll be archiving it in just a couple of minutes, so it'll be up there, then it will be on the Telegram. And I see that 6-4 Arian sent me a gift. That's very kindly. I appreciate that. Thank you. And Chris Wilson is saying, Tabitha, what days and times are your podcasts? We consider being a speaker on... One of the ones I brief, I'm authorized to give an invite to anyone international these days. I don't really have like a set schedule. I typically do one podcast every week or every two weeks. Lately, it's been every two weeks. Um, 
typically it's been like a Monday or a Tuesday around like, I don't know, three. I don't, like I said, I don't really have like much of a set thing. I tend, basically it tends to be afternoon and, and weekday for the most part. I don't do them super early. I don't do them super late. I also will do little walks and stuff and just kind of, you know, do my little thing and record that and then upload it and that's not live. And would you consider being a guest speaker? Perhaps. Yeah, I'm not doing too much collaboration right now, but perhaps I'd be open to that depending on, on what it was. You could always uh, contact me on Telegram, at Tabby America, T-A-B-I America. And Country Girl is saying, I always listen after heart, heart. Oh, I'm glad for that. So yeah, I think we will wrap it up now. I'm getting kind of munchy. I'm thinking about dinner because I had kind of like a lightish lunch. But you know, I was in the mood for a light lunch, a warm lunch, but a light lunch. So yeah, we'll leave it at that. We talked about a lot of stuff today. We talked about psyops. We talked about the 14 codes of the Aryan ethic. And we talked about about food, a little bit about food and how we can kind of see food from a different perspective to transform ourselves, right? And this is a good type of transformation, not the transformation that we see these days with, you know, transsexualism. That's not a real transformation. Real transformation starts from within. It doesn't involve, you know, lopping off your genitals. That's that's the wrong way to go about it, obviously. Chris Wilson is saying, Kilted Christian is a specific podcast referred to 1030 to 12 every Friday, CW. Okay. And Country Girl is saying, just so you know, your podcast shows up on the Google podcast. I don't know if that would help for a larger audience. It's easier to share a Google link. People don't have to download the app. That's good to know. I, I, I have seen that when I've typed it in myself and I do get the analytics for that like every month or so. But it looks like most people are still listening through the Podbean application and most people are not even downloading it. That's why like when you see the download score, it's pretty low because most people just listen via the Podbean application, but they don't download the show, which is essentially what, what I do. But maybe the Google podcast would be a good way for people to listen as well, because like you told me, they're shadow banning me on um, Podbean. Not to be surprised. Um, you know, that happens. A lot of people are getting shadow banned these days. And I'm not even saying anything too spicy. You know, back in the day, I like the, the content and the language was a lot spicier than it is now. So uh, Chris Wilson saying, I suspect your educational background is nutrition, correct? Um, part of it is. Uh, my first training is in philosophy and religion. I did my senior thesis on the yin-yang theory of food. So I've always kind of had like a bent for that and existentialism and things of that nature. That was kind of like the modality I studied. And then I went on to nutrition school and I got a degree in nutrition as well. That's my formal stuff. It's only That's only like, you know formal. I've done a lot of self-study as well, but that's my, my formal training is, um, philosophy, religion, and nutrition. Yes. So I was correct. He's saying, yep, you were, I do like nutrition. I like talking about it. And I realize that a lot of our people, um, we need help with that, right? Cause there's so much out there. It's, it's so much can seduce us into quick results, you know, but it's really just about eating normal food, hopefully with good humans, right? So I think that's all for today. I have been your host, Tabitha. This is White Wellness Radio. You have just finished listening to the totality of transformation. Be sure to catch all the broadcast over here at White Wellness Radio. And uh, follow me on Telegram and follow me on Patreon. There will be information uh, or content on Patreon very soon. Okay, everybody. Um, wishing everyone a groovy Monday. 
and we'll be connecting again soon on the next broadcast or mini clip. Okay, Satnam. <laughs>